there's always a chance it's going to be audited. I'm Andy and I'm Rod and we're back and we've got the new year and we're all um, caught up with ourselves apparently yeah we're ready to go Christmas is done and we're gonna actually do some more podcasts this year we are it's exciting isn't it that's the plan anyway let's see how far we go past this one well we've even planned a schedule we have not that we'd like to keep to it but we've we've got ideas of what's gonna what's coming up so yeah that's good and our, our first one, which we, we talked about, was, uh, is the traditional lecture dead? And it, it seems quite apposite today because I, I was reading the BBC News website and um, there's a big article on, well, the headline is, nearly a third of university courses still have hybrid teaching. Mm. And, and the thrust of the article is that um, hybrid teaching isn't as good as face-to-face. We should all be doing lectures discuss this is this podcast will be brought to you by rod making lots of noises grunty noises slight disgruntlement and uh just just pulling lots of faces that you can't say they're good faces i I can describe them at length if you like it's it's rod so some some somewhat like a um constipated easter island man i was going down the constipation route yeah with with a beard a bearded easter island man with that's been squashed sounds about right for uh my face. like um, um, 1970s capri fur seat covers for the beard yeah exactly there's an up-to-date reference for the kids 1970s capri seat covers there you go um oh dear not i don't want to bash the bbc I no, they, I, I was. Um, they get a, they get a lot of it, but I would I would politely disagree with the need that we go. But we need to go back to the traditional face to face lecture, um, because to my mind, it doesn't work. It, it yeah. My feeling is it's not appropriate for everything that we do. Um, yes, and I th- I think that's that's a much more temperate way of, of 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 what i was saying i was being far too black and white i think i think yeah as as a, as a pure delivery of content i will stand and i will talk to you for 50 minutes on a particular topic and you just listen and drink in everything i i say yes there is no better way of doing that particular method of delivery than a lecture my argument would be is that the most effective way of learning anything? No. Yeah. My my honest opinion of hour-long lectures is, as a lecturer, I get bored. 
and we, we were talking offline before we started about the fact we're both um, still in education. Mm-hmm. Um, and as someone who sits in lectures, I get bored. So for me, an hour long lecture is a lose lose situation. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I, I have trouble, you know, because because as as academics, we go to seminars and, 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 and things like that, which are fancy, um, fancy lectures effectively and i have been to some really really good ones that have been really fascinating but i have inevitably switched off at some point you got that level of concentration for 50 minutes is a very very difficult thing to do i'm not saying it's impossible i'm sure there are some people that can concentrate for that length of time but but it's inevitable that, that you that you switch off irrespective of how fascinating and dynamic and polished the session is and that switching off time just decreases in terms of the time it takes you to actually switch off the more dull the more boring the more you've just got a member of of academic staff reading off a off a set of slides um so even with the best will in the world you are going to lose people during that that 50 minutes I mean, my initial thought when I, I read the article was it's like going to the BBC and saying, well, why are you still producing radio? You've got television. It's a better medium. Mm. Um, and I, I think that is the nub of the argument. The BBC is a broadcaster. It has radio. It has TV. It has web presence. And it uses them. I was going to say synchronous, synchronously, but um I don't mean that in terms of teaching with synchronous and asynchronous teaching. I mean, they they combine their delivery depending on what they want to deliver across the mediums and they, they will repeat mm. content in different ways. Um, I think that that's the point that the journalist has missed, that there are more appropriate ways of delivering content for some subjects. And there are also some people that pres- prefer to absorb content in different ways. Yeah, if we look at health reporting, for example, or of health reporting is is the reporting of statistics and and the reporting of, of, of data and data visualization, which works on television, which is the visual medium, but it doesn't work on the radio. So, are we saying you then shouldn't report health on the radio? No, because it's clearly important. There are a lot of people that, that rely on it, but you just have to present it in a different way that works for that particular medium. So to extend that argument, we're not suggesting the 50-minute didactic session should be scrapped altogether, but perhaps we should approach it in different ways. Are you you suggesting we should use them more as workshop sessions? I think so, yes. Um, obviously, from a timetabling point of view, you need these sessions where the students are there and they are having some form of of teaching but i would say yes turn them into a workshop make them interactive and that interactivity is so much easier now post pandemic when we're aware of all these ways of of interacting that we we should be making more use of them and not saying them as oh this is something we had to do during the pandemic but saying this is something we can now use post pandemic i think i'm thinking audience participation software it's yes. so much easier now that you can get students to do it through their mobiles. Whereas before we would hand out little response buttons that they'd have to do, which were a nightmare. And, and we, we, again, we've discussed at length the use of mobiles during lectures. And we, anyone who has stood in front of a lecture of 
anyone, be it undergraduates, postgraduate, CPD professional training, will be aware of people texting. Oh, um, yeah. And, and my feeling is the majority of them are probably texting each other about what the hell's Andy talking about now. Or what shirt has Rod decided to wear today? Yeah. Something like that. Um, and I, I will overtly acknowledge the use of mobile phones during the lectures that I do do. Um, and I was going to say I will actively encourage you. I, 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 well, you all know I want curiosity. I want people to go and look things up. I, mm. I, I'm, I'm a great believer in auditory learning. That, that is my preferred style. Um, and I, I will listen to things in the car and I will often listen repeatedly and take different messages away each time. Um, and for me, that's one of the great strengths of asynchronous learning, but it's also one of the approaches I bring to my lectures that everyone is in charge of their own learning and will take away what they need to do. Yeah. I, I, I think my, my view of, of the mobile phone has evolved through my teaching career. Previously I would, you know, when I first started and I was much more draconian than I am now, um, I would, you know, pick on students that were on their mobiles or if I didn't do it overtly, then after the session, I would be rolling my eyes about student X that was on their phone all the time. Now I think, well, if they want to be on their phone all the time, it's not an indication that they're not concentrating. It's not an indication that I'm not doing that I'm not teaching them, they're just doing it in a slightly different way. And I, and I think a number of students like you need that, that repetition. And in fact, I'd argue that everybody needs repetition to get stuff into their heads. Um, they need that repeti repetition that comes from sitting there, drinking it in without writing notes, just verbally listening, maybe playing a game on the phone to keep their hands busy. Um, yeah. And then they go away and they listen to the recording afterwards. Again, it made me think about how often I watch TV and actually look things up while the television's on. How often my my tablet or my phone is in my hand with Google open. Um, even if it's just what else has that actor been in? That mm. that curiosity, that 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 ability to sate that curiosity is is knowledge acquisition. Um, so what's wrong with it? What what is wrong with googling something as we go on? Yeah, there's uh, there's there's nothing wrong with it. And 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 for me, given that I tend to, I I need to keep my hands busy all the time, I found that at, at the moment my my phone is dead to the world, so I haven't been able to use it for a couple of days. So what I've been doing is doing puzzles instead because I need to keep my brain ticking over while I am doing something else at the same time. Again, it's a concentration thing. I can't focus all the time on the on the news, or I'm focusing on a story that's particularly interesting, and then I've had enough of it, so I go and do uh, and I go and do something else. And it's going to be the same for students in a it, lecture it, hall. It's a sensory thing, isn't it? It's a background engagement to almost almost a white noise effect. Hmm. You're, you're providing a sensory white noise through touch by movement. Yeah. And 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 it perversely can help me help me concentrate in some aspects. But with that comes the awareness that I know when I need to concentrate. But but that also makes you a nightmare to lecture to in that that traditional schoolroom based setting of Sir knows best. If you're you're constantly fiddling, 
you appear disengaged. Yeah, or chewing my pen or spinning something around my phone, twiddling my wedding ring, which I tend to do when I'm, you know, to keep something engaged. Yeah, so so I, I would imagine that I am a nightmare to lecture to because uh, I'm either fiddling with something or I'm busy not looking straight at you. And, and th- this brings us to the subject of engagement. I don't know this is because we live in a, a consumerist world where everything is monitored and counted and we we league table things. We We are monitoring student engagement. Mm. And how do we do it? Do we do it formally? Do we do it informally? What what are our our gauges and measures? And I, I think a lot of student engagement monitoring in face to face teaching circumstances is bums on seats. If our students attending lectures, yes. In, in, and in that case, if that's all we're measuring engagement by. Why does it matter to us so much whether they're paying attention in those lectures? Yeah. And the argument is, and I, and I would agree with this argument, is that we are, if, they are, if we have a room for people that aren't paying attention to us, then we are not being valued for our academic ability and, and, and what we bring. So I can understand absolutely why people get annoyed that um, they can't, they're not getting that that feedback from students. They're not getting that that level of engagement, and and I think it needs it, it needs a level of of self reflection and and thinking about well, I'm delivering this lecture to ninety odd students. If eighty nine of them aren't or don't appear to me to me to be paying any attention, then why is that? Is it because they're all listening in a different way and I should live it in a different way? Is it because I'm incredibly boring? Is it because they like me and I'm effectively lecturing into a room of 89 Rodwood houses and one normal person? Um, you, you've, got, you've got to think about it. And I, and I think the, the, the default knee-jerk reaction tends to be, oh, well, it's the students that are wrong. They need to learn the, the exact mm. same way that we did, oh, God, 20 years ago now or more. And I think we probably forget that we weren't paying that much attention either. I, I think there's an element of, because we both work in, in clinical subjects, um, in, in very people-facing, hands-on professions, um, that, that there's a risk that academics are going to create academics rather than clinicians if we, we go mm. down that route. Yeah. And do we want it's- to? Yes, question. And this I think that, style of learning worked for me, and I'm an academic, so it has to be great. Yeah, and and and, and that taps into the the rich vein of academic hubris that is. We are academics. We are very, very good academics, and that, that I, I don't. And I don't mean you and me are very, very. Well, good no, academics. obviously not. No, <laughs> um, but the the academic mindset is we are very, very good at our job, and so it, what we are doing must be right. And, and it's losing sight of that. Well, it is very good for this very specific area of, of, of work, which is being an academic. And, and, and that expands to looking at any student and going, well, they, 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 they don't work the same way I do. They don't do X, Y and Z that I did. They must be wrong without thinking that you're holding yourself them to your standards, which are very specific standards that aren't necessary for the, the the rest of the world. I mean, from a clinical point of view, 
students might be doing a particular clinical discipline because they want to go out and make money, which is absolutely fine. Yeah. And in which case, do they need to, to worry about the, the philosophy of science or, you know, do you need to worry about X, Y, and Z? No, they need to know how to be very good clinicians so they can go out and run a business. Yeah, and I've lost the, the train of thought. Um, I was probably just going to diss academics, so um, I'll pull yeah, back from that. Yeah, we'll pull back from that. <laughs> what I was going to say, something I, I was thinking earlier when we were having this discussion is do we actually need to offer alternative pathways for learning and ideal world where we were funded and we had ring fence time to do this we, we we all know that doesn't exist but should we be offering a number of different pathways through the knowledge i think you've you've hit on on the key the key point in coming to that question is the logistics of it and yes, in 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 a, in a in an ideal world, absolutely, you we you we could have lectures for those that want to come to them. They could do it online instead. They could do self directed learning if they want to do all of these different things. But in reality, that time and energy that would go into it is just not there. So, is that why we fall back on the lecture model because we've been doing it since year dot? As far as most academics are concerned, it works because it worked for them. And therefore, we'll, we'll keep doing it because it's the easiest thing to do with all the other it, pressures it, on our time. It becomes a pilot high, sell it cheap. Mm. It's the path of least resistance. I can tick my boxes that I've taught this subject. Um, and again, it comes back to tick boxes. It's not that I've taught this subject well. I've taught this subject yeah, and for, for some academics, that's absolutely fine because research is their baby. That's what they that's what they do, and 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 the teaching is the is the necessary part of it. I think what they perhaps overlook is the fact, as I learned this week, that the the word doctor comes from the the word to teach. So you've got a PhD, you should be teaching, whether you like it or not, and, and you can argue you are through your research, and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. I'm trying my best not to diss my research focused focused colleagues here. Um, but you can you can look at the the what is possibly a slight tangent, but I will I'll bring it back around in a minute. The the businessization, which isn't a real world, but but I'm using it anyway, of of academia is something we all like to 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 rail against, and the fact we have these these measures of teaching are our students satisfied with our, with our teaching. Um, and I, I think there's a tendency to go, well, that's just a tick box metric exercise. We don't need to pay any attention to it. And I, I think that's wrong. I think we do need to pay, pay attention to it. We do need to take into account where, where students are dissatisfied and we need to be prepared to change. I mean, like it or as not, we, we are can. in a, a consumerist society. Mm. Um, and we we are selling degrees. We are selling education for degrees. Mm. I, I will qualify that. But yeah. the perception is we are selling degrees. Um, and if we look at ourselves as retailers in that respect, we need to compete with other retailers. We need to be big and shiny. We need all the gimmicks, all the bells and whistles that are mm. current in retailing. 
yeah and and i think as much as we as much as we rail against it i think us moaning about it isn't going to do any good it, it there is this businessization we've got to we've got to make use of it it everything is everything is has changed and the the danger comes is where we think that or we're still aligning ourselves with academia 50 years ago or our perception of academia 50 years ago or even 30 years ago that it was it was highly highly respected students turned up they did what they were told and they didn't think for themselves put in really you know extreme terms um and we we need to appreciate that the, the educational landscape has changed and we do have to think about the university of next door and all these other places that are going to overtake universities that aren't willing to undergo that change and aren't willing to 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 implement these these new these new ideas and these and these new things because that's what we've always done and and grace hopper who was the the inventor of modern coding that worked for the u.s military says the most dangerous phrase in the human language is that's what we've always done mm. nothing would change otherwise and, and and my concern is that academia tends to go the same way because that's what we've always done and the minute we change anything oh my god our, our academic standards are going to go down the pan no not necessarily no i mean we, we should as as academics as researchers we should be cutting out we should be at the forefront um and if education is changing we have an obligation to be at the front of that change to drive it to research it to evidence base it mm. not just to sit back and say that's how i learned so you're going to learn that way it's 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 an odd dichotomy in in which I'm possibly not using the right term, but it's 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 that odd dichotomy in in academia that research is expected and accepted that that has to be cutting edge and that has to relapse and change, but not necessarily the education side of it. And I'm at a loss to 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 understand why that is the case. Mm. You know, I, I I it it baffles me that that where we 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 have colleagues and and former colleagues that are at the top of their game in terms of research but have taught in exactly the same way for the past 30 40 50 years in some cases so so what what is that really at the pinnacle if science never reaches the pinnacle of perfection why does education reach the pinnacle, so, pinnacle of perfection do you feel we, we we're almost at the stage where you, you you can argue that education up until 18 years of age, secondary school education is education alone. We go into university and we we blend education and research. Should we actually be separating the two? Should we have research departments, research establishments and higher education establishments that don't research? Or do we need that direct input of the researchers into teaching i think you you need that direct input input of the research in order to make the content cutting edge i i and i, and I think as much as i like being teaching only i i fully appreciate that you you do need that that research element 
to it. So do we need to redefine research in academic terms? And I'm not sure where I'm going with this. <laughs> I mean, research, the way it is viewed is ivory tower research for research sake. And the reality is mm. research is coming up with a COVID vaccine in 15 months from a standing start. Um, yeah, I, th I think I think in, in in some ways we need to redefine research and, and inevitably this is going to be coloured by our our backgrounds in, and, and, and the topics we have come from. And, and we may only be speaking for the topics that we are familiar with here. And, and for all we know, we could be in a, in a dinosaur discipline. We are in our own silo, you and me. Yeah, you, you and me could just be Luddites um, and everyone else is look, is look at, looks at us and, oh, look, let's go listen to the quaint podcast with the two old men that don't understand anything new. Maybe today they'll be shouting at cars and things They're like that. They're in their that. glass case collecting dust, bless, with a little bless them. label. Aren't they nice? We'll go and look at them. See, kids, this is what, this is what old people look like. Um, and I've completely lost my train of thought now. You've completely put me off. I can't <laughs> get the image of me in, in a little glass cabinet with ratty old bits of twig around me in my natural habitat. And leather um, elbow patches on your tweed jacket. Yeah, absolutely. Ink stain on the shirt. Jumper with a hole in so I can put my glasses in it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we were talking yeah, about for separate... all those people who've never seen us. That's probably the image they now they are probably are thinking. They're probably they're probably going. Yeah, that's that's clearly what you two were wearing at the same time. And they're half right. Um. Yeah, I I, I think. I think that teaching and research need to be linked. I think you need to keep that link. But what we need to get away from is that, that viewpoint of, because I am a cutting edge researcher, I am therefore a cutting edge teacher. So you, again, we, we are both advocates of double-handed teaching. Mm. Um, that, that, that almost suggests that it should be a teaching partnership, partnership and academic and a career teacher and I, th I think i think that would that would be the, the 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 best way of doing it absolutely um from, from my point of view okay again this is this is very much going to be our own our, our own opinion here um but yeah if you if you can get that that double-handed that double-handed teaching can be made to work in so many different ways you can have your career teacher and your and your career researcher working together to to, to work you can have the academic the academic and the clinician working together as well and bringing different things into it you can have different disciplines working together to bring different things into it um and 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 i think if you've got two people in a space doing the teaching there is almost an automatic pull away from that didactic lecturing style of teaching because you don't want to stand there for 20 minutes not doing anything while your partner is doing something and and you can extend that space to cover the online resources that that space can include your whichever online blackboard platform you you choose to use that that space can be collaborative as well um yeah 
I, I'm, I'm a great advocate of the use of discussion boards and having open discussion. Um, but again, it, it takes buy-in from everyone to do that. It does. And, uh, and I'm, I'm not anti-discussion board, but I, but I think that discussion boards are a bit old hat these days. Um, I need to move with technology, get with the kids. Get with the kids, Andy. Um, and, I, and, and I think that there are better ways of having, have, having discussions than through a, through a discussion board, which, which can be quite onerous. To an extent, but again, yeah. it depends. It depends how you how you run the discussion. If you are running it where you're asking them to demonstrate their sources and and apply their critical thinking formally and things like that, it can become a bit staid and a bit stuffy. Yeah. But if you're asking people to have a a clinical debate based on their own practice and their own input that doesn't need that that level of academic rigor then I think that there is a place for them. I, I think I think what I, I want is an ongoing asynchronous narrative. Um, again, because that, that's one of the ways I like to learn. I like to discuss things. I like to pose hypotheticals, um, which again requires a safe space mm. um, and is a skill that people need to learn to accept hypothetical explorations um and taken out of context that can be a dangerous way of of being quoted um yeah so it, it needs that that safe space element to it and that and that that buy-in that you've talked about from from everyone around that everyone will use this safe space appropriately and <laughs> they won't quote outside of it and it, again with a, a collaborative approach amongst faculty you you are presenting someone with a safe space you're not trying to create it with a cohort of students you're saying we have this safe space amongst us you are welcome to join us which i think is a, a completely different thing to standing there with 90 students and now announcing that this is a safe space we can discuss mm. i suppose there's an element of modeling if if um respected peers authority figures are already behaving in that way students will follow along i don't know it's not something i've ever really formally thought about i know i i like that concept but i've never really thought about why yeah and there's the difficulty of doing it in a physical space is that physical space has to be right for that sort of discussion as well i think one of the reasons why we don't do discussions in a lecture theater is because it, it's it's not set up for that. It's not. It doesn't feel intimate enough. No, it doesn't. Absolutely, and and people have got to turn around and talk to the person behind them or talk to the person in front, and in order for everyone to see the front, there's that stepped look, isn't it? Um, and and that could 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 lead unintentionally to a hierarchy, in that the people below are looking up at the people in the they're discussing with above, and perhaps feel they are below the level of that person as a result even though they're not and i think it takes a very brave and very confident student to get across that divide and and and, and take control of the, of the of the conversation and the discussion when when appropriate yeah. to someone that is physically above them I, I was reading something this morning about um theater in the round 
and they, mm. they would talk about the exchange in Manchester and saying that no seat is more than 32 feet away from the stage, that it creates an intimacy and you're always observed as an actor, but that, that, that creates an immediacy as well. But, but even things like the lighting, they, because it is an audience auditorium, it can never be fully dark. You can never fully spotlight in the same way, which again, creates an equality. Mm. Um, and your, your typical view of a, a lecture theater is a darkened room with a light board with the, the lecture at the front. And I know yeah. technology has moved on, so we don't need to darken rooms for projectors in quite the same way. But that that was that typical reinforcement of authority, the actor in the spotlight and the the fount of all knowledge. Hmm. And I, and I think it's as a consequence, it, it's engendered this this idea, which has some merit that the academic is the most important person in that room. And I think it has some merit because the, they they are important in terms of their specific knowledge about the topic. But on the other hand, they don't know anything about how the students best learn that. No, topic. and, and my, my immediate gut reaction to that is the most important person in the room is the slowest learner. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very good point. And, and that's not a pejorative statement for slowest learner. Um, it, it, it is just the person that is struggling with that concept the most. Hmm. And 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 this is where the, the more discursive aspects of teaching come into their own, because then that that person that is struggling with the concept the most has got various avenues they can explore. In in a lecture context, when I am the one to telling you about a particular topic, if you don't understand it, you feel that I'm the only person that can help you with it. Yeah. But if if you're having a discussion, then you feel that there are more people around you that can help you with that. It, it, if we if we look at this and if we were to say split a year into four groups make the manageable sizes for that discursive element um how do we guarantee equality of teaching amongst four groups if we, we're willing to let a discussion ride let it go down not so much rabbit holes but different ways of describing things how do we ensure an equality of teaching across those four groups or in a qualitative exposure to to topics and subjects. There's, there's, I think it's important to define here what we mean by when we're talking about equality, we're sort of talking about equality of the learning outcome, really, aren't we? Rather yeah. than precise delivery of content. Yeah. And I think the way the way you do that is is by having trained facilitators in that room, and if you split in the year into four, it doesn't need to be, we're going back to that, that, that double-handed teaching idea again, that if you've got a couple of people in the room that can monitor the discussions and, and guide people through, um, then you can get that equality of teaching because the, the facilitators in the room are aware that there are a given number of points that need to be hit. There are beats that need to, need, need to occur. Um, and how you get to those points is almost irrelevant. So, but you, 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 as long as you get to them somehow. But it, it, I mean, what you're describing is effectively structure and agency mm. that you have someone monitoring the structure that gives the other person the agency to let it run where it will. Mm. And that, that that's oversimplifying things. Um, but 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 I think I think it, it's it is what it is what 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 we're getting at. It's 
but it, but then you are you are loose. It's important that there is a loose structure there. I think you 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 and and there's a relinquishing of control as well, and that can be difficult for a lot of people. It was certainly very difficult for me when I started. Um, and then but, you were saddled with me. And then I was saddled with you, and I realised, oh, I, I can be completely chaotic, and it'll be absolutely fine. Um, the, the 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 very early days in the first few years, I, I really struggled to give up control and hand that over to the students, partly because, you know, I wasn't as experienced a teacher as I am now, and I wasn't experienced with the content as I am now, so I felt more defensive about it. Um, and I and I'm not saying that that you know a, a prof of thirty years feels that they don't really know the content they're, they're, they're teaching or, or anything like that. But, but they are perhaps um, reticent to give up control for other reasons. And, 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 and the, the lecture theatre with the didactic lecture is the ultimate in control. There is one voice in that room and it is yours and you are, you are ruling the room a little bit. But some of the best teaching experiences I have had have been the ones where I've given over to the students and got the feedback and dare I say, even gone in without really planning what I was going to talk about and letting the students determine what I was going to talk about. Yeah, I mean, for me, the, the, the message of this is, is well, you hit on the head when you said equality of content versus equality of learning outcomes, that too much teaching is measured on content mm. rather than outcome. Um, partly because it's easy to measure mm. it can be audited you, you you can look at lecture recordings and say we hit this point and we hit that point um yeah so so, so, so to an extent the the focus on lectures isn't down to an individual academic choosing to do a lecture because they feel it's the best way they've been they've been taught because it's the way they want to do it it's because it's the way the system is set up and I, and I think it's it's being disingenuous to our colleagues to suggest in their they're doing lectures purely because it is the easiest option or it's the way they were taught. It could be because they they really want to do something new, but they can't. Yeah, and it, of, I mean, it, it was partly a deliberately provocative statement to to start some discussion when we went down that route. Always is with you and me. It always is. We always like to start with this this deliberate deliberate provocation so we can hear the blood boiling in the ears of, of parts of our audience. Um, as thin as our audience probably is, but we can hear them. We can hear the... Uh, both of them. Both of them. We can hear at least one of them getting a migraine from us having to go at something. Um, but it is purely to stimulate this this sort of debate. So we, we, we basically need to start with our learning outcomes, which is what teaching theory would tell us anyway. It would, absolutely. Um, and develop the way we deliver those outcomes dependent on the outcome we want to achieve yeah so lecture workshop clinic practical session online delivery recordings printed matter all become part of our army to deliver that outcome mm, exactly um, and again in terms of a clinical subject there are some things you can only teach by doing um, yeah and 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 there are some things that are perfectly suited to being taught didactically. Yeah. And I, I can still remember having to sit and learn the 10 layers of a, a cornea or the. Yeah. How, how else are you going to learn them? 
Yeah, well, but okay, I, I would argue there are other ways of learning them. <laughs> but that that content may as well be delivered as a diagram online, yeah, as delivered in a lecture, mm. because it is a learning task. Mm, this is a lot to think about. Plenty isn't to it? think about. It's, it feels like a can of worms, or maybe even Pandora's box, <laughs> to be to be opening here. And... It feels like I need a lot more prep time for my lectures. Well, my yes. my teaching episodes. I'm going to stop using the word lecture. I'm going to teaching episode. I like episode. that. I like yeah. the idea of a teaching episode. So you can go. Oops, I've had a teaching episode. <laughs> a so senior burst, moment during a teaching episode. Burst into the office and go. I've just had an episode of teaching, <laughs> as we all should. Boom boom. I think we should do more bursting into the office and just announcing things and going away. Oh, I think we should um, close there. That's been. Really... I think we. I think we probably should before our uh, our audience start writing poison pen letters to us, uh, or our, our lack of caffeine in the system starts to show. Yes, and I fall asleep and headbutt the microphone. <laughs> That's been good. Thanks, guys. I enjoyed that. Yeah, thanks, Andy. And we'll see you again soon. See you soon, guys. <laughs>